Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. It's Farrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out of bed. Zitter, burger, data, bad, apple, with a bad, out of bed. Hanging around a bunch of bad, out of bad, day, bad, law, bad, do, bad, bro, bad, such bad, bad. We are live in the Perella Palatia right across the river and through the woods from where Granny just picked up a new batch of notorious mango. Shake it. In the Big Apple, people dressed in plastic bags, ready to drop it, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do that. All my friends are coming off, that's the party of rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, tattered, tattered, my friends splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake it. All right, what's gigging for all with you? Better turn off that porno I got going in the background. I'm just kidding. I'm watching the uh, UFC Abu Pharrell and Dobby fight. Fight night in Fight Island. Uh, as Carver High likes to say, a uh, bunch of hacks, a bunch of stiffs. <laughs> There's nobody on the whole card. Uh, Cater and, and Ige, the main event. Yeah. Well, don't forget That's my it. girl Molly Malone's fighting here soon too. The pride of Liverpool. Well, I guess we got something to look forward to then. I told you before when I saw it on. All that matters to me is that people are getting punched in the face, and uh, I get to watch it. So I just saw some guy beat up uh, another guy. I mean, just be, I, were you watching it? He just ground and pounded this guy into just absolutely bloodied him. He just beat him senseless. So I'm all for that. Anybody... Yeah, I saw that fight. He he tore him up, that guy. He just <laughs> beat him around. That's what you need when you have a no-name card. Did you see the egg on that guy's forehead? The guy on the announcer, uh, Annex, said he looked like he had a rat sticking out of his head. <laughs> it wasn't a mouse. It was a rat. It's for Ryle on a badge. Everybody's doing it. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. 
And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, for all events, a couple things are going on here. Wow, there's a guy just getting pummeled already in this fight. Literally, I mean, the the bell rang, and this guy came out wailing. Are you watching this? <laughs> this guy, Al Hassan, he has thrown every punch in his bag already in the first minute of this fight, and he's already gassed. You can't even tell me that this guy's going to last throwing that many punches. He threw like 100 punches in the first minute. And he's slowing down like molasses right now. I mean, he came out firing. So anyway, um, I got a lot of uh, stories to tell you. So first of all, Granny, I told you, uh, you weren't on the show last night, but Granny, did you hear what happened to Granny? You were uh, were telling us today uh, during one of the commercials during Coast to Coast. Oh, I did tell you. So she, uh, she had like a, I don't know, man, some kind of hemorrhage or something. Chick started gushing blood, like just absolutely gushing blood, and uh, out of her nose, and uh, at the beach, no less, right? She's at the beach. She's gushing blood. Next thing you know, they rush her to the hospital. She's in the hospital for like five hours, and then they told her after sitting there for five hours in the emergency room what could be worse i would have had an absolute conniption i would have had a meltdown they would have taken me out in handcuffs i'm not sitting anywhere for five hours in a in a hospital for nothing nothing i don't care what it is remember tonight i had i broke my hand i told you the story i broke my hand and it was the size of elephant boy i mean my foot my hand was the size remember (laughs) i mean it was It was huge. And I walked into the front door of the hospital and I looked at this lady and my hand was like this big and it was swollen. I go, I think it's broke. And she's like, oh my God, come back here. And uh, they shot me up with morphine. And then I asked an 80 year old nurse if she wanted to have sex with me. And the bottom line was they operated on me like an hour later. And I told him, I'm like, I walked in, I said, listen, I think it's broke and I'm not sitting around here. So let's get it on. Like, you want to do it? Let's go. You want all my money? Let's go. Let's go now. I'm not here to, like, I'm not sitting in the lobby. I'm not looking at other people. You know how these people sit around the ER looking at other people? Like, I'm not doing it. It's not happening. So she sat in there for five hours, and then they told her they couldn't help her. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine after five hours, the doctor goes out, we don't have an eye, ear, and throat specialist here. And I'm like, uh, she tells me the story, and I'm like, what? And they told her to, she had to go see like a EMT or something or somebody that could uh, stop the bleeding, like uh, whatever they call that word, cathartic or whatever the hell it is. I don't even know what the hell it is. So they stop it from bleeding. And uh, 
so they called the guy or whatever they called these people they were supposed to see him this morning and they said we won't do it if she's on blood thinners which she is and so they wouldn't do it they wouldn't fix her so they drove home they drove home the vacation ended they literally they they went on vacation for a week and they came <laughs> home two days later they're home and of course and of course you know uh you know, chop. She's like, forget it. I'm staying. You know, I'll see. Yeah, chop stayed. Chop, she's chop stayed. You know, forget it. I ain't going anywhere. She's like, sorry, you're dying, Grandma. I'm staying surfing. And then she's like, oh, by the way, can you leave that uh, notorious mango? <laughs> leave, leave the notorious mango and a bag of twenties. I'll see yeah. you guys in a couple days. <laughs> she's like, yo, can you leave me a thumb of that notorious M and uh, and just skedaddle? And then she sent me pictures today. She was surfing. And I was like, all right. So then they came home and now they're here. And that, and she's like, stay in here. Because they're going to this, uh, they're going to this eye, ear, throat guy in the morning. And they're going to, you know, she's got this giant, like, tampon sticking out of her nose. And I'm not even being mean, am I right now? I'm just telling it like it is. Like, she was gushing blood. So you, they stuffed this thing up her nose. She has this giant contraption <laughs> stuck to her head right now. So I bought her dinner. I was like, listen, why don't we, you look awful. Why don't we eat like expensive Italian food? I'll even go pick it up. I'll go you pick it up. Aw- you look awful. That's what you look awful. Let me just tell you. That's one way to do it. I go, you look, you look awful. awful. You Let, look me like your chicken. Let me get you a chicken parm. You look awful. Have a chicken parm. Scallopini? What do you want? And then uh, I got that taken care of. So now they're going to the, uh, hospital or something in the morning to deal with some guy all i know is i have to i have to re-up a vacation right so now that their vacation has been ruined completely ruined three days into it they're they're home they're supposed to be there till sunday it's what is it wednesday wednesday thursday friday saturday four more days full on the beach and it's over it's like over and i mean to tell you 34c is livid she's just livid so i'm like they drove all the way back all day today, pulled in at like six o'clock. And then now I'm dealing with that. Like, I'm like, listen, I feel horrible for you. I, I don't know what to say to you other than uh, I think I should try to make it up to you. You know, like, we'll we'll try to figure out a way to go somewhere else. Because, you know, in the COVID, we can't go to our normal uh, haunts, which are San Diego and San Diego. And uh, I go a lot to San Diego. And then and when I'm not in San Diego, I, I mean, I go to San Diego when I'm not in San Diego. <laughs> and then when I want to go to the Caribbean now, I just go to San Diego instead. Because I got to tell you, I love the Caribbean and everything. But when you go down there in like July and August, it's hot as just absolute sweaty coconuts. I mean, it is just so miserable. You go outside in the morning, it, it makes Florida look cold, right? So it's so hot in the Caribbean. Like you take a shower, when you're drying off, you're dripping. You're dripping. You go to dinner, you're dripping. You go to breakfast, you're dripping. You go anywhere, walking or anything, you're dripping. You're just dripping. The whole time you're there, you're dripping. I'm like, this sucks. I'm spending 20 grand and I'm sweating ass. I'm like, let's go to San Diego and go surfing. And it's, you know, 75, 80 degrees. There's no humidity. It's just absolutely ripping kick ass. They deliver chronic right to your resort, right to the door. Knock, knock. Strawberry OG Kush here. <laughs> like, hold on, Raleigh guy. It's funny. <laughs> so, Callie's way better. 
And uh, but I can't go there because of the, the Hanta. So now I'm really uh, in a in a pickle, Carver High, because, you know, it's got to be somewhere around here. Like, you know, I don't know, LBI, somewhere down the shore, uh, maybe somewhere up in uh, upstate, you know, like Lake George, something like that. You know what I mean? All these spots where people go to party. Isn't Lake George like Think over to Great Adventure. <laughs> Great Adventures for figs. <laughs> what? That's where Car- that's where uh, Chop goes. She loves Great Adventure. Isn't that the it's Six open. Flags? Yes, yeah, Six Flags. It's open. Well, we got VIP there, man. I got like top shelf status there. I got. Let me like, just tell you, every everybody's got VIP there right now. I know somebody who went last weekend, and they said it was them and basically six other people. You could do the know. whole place in an hour. <laughs> well, here's the deal. So I have the 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 seasonal VIP passes, which are like the ultimate. They have like this ultimate, like mega VIP. You can like, I mean, rock star status, free food, booze, the whole deal. You get all the drinks, everything. Everything is is on this tab, right? It's expensive, but like she goes so much to that amusement park that uh, she wants it. So she she goes 15, 20 times. I went once, right? You know the story. The time I went, right? I rode the, the. I was there five minutes, and I rode the biggest roller coaster there. And five minutes in, the first thing we did was King like, to car. Get the King to car yeah. right out of the way. First five minutes in, I. But they have another one. There's another one that's just as dangerous. The King to car is badass, but they have one other one. If she was here, she'd tell me what it is. But there's another one that's just sickening, right near the front of the park. It's it's badass. It's like violent. It's the fastest one there at Six Flags. And I wrote it, and literally when I got off of it, I was just done. I was purple. I had like stomach. I had pneumonia. I, <laughs> I had like the flu. I got off this roller coaster, man, and I was, I was turning colors, man, like a, like a million. I was sick. I got sick. I was dizzy. I had vertigo. I, had, I was gonna hurl. Everybody's like, "What's wrong, Pharrell?" And I'm like, "Just, I gotta sit down, man." That place used <laughs> to be my spot back in the day. I used to go there a lot. I had the season pass too. But I never, I never rode another ride the rest of the day. I was, I was done, and I, I, just, I won't even go back to. I hate people in general. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hi, right, Pharrell on a bench. So uh, I was there, and I'll, I'm going to bring in my guest here in, in two seconds. I just you have to bear with me here for one second. So I I literally walked around Six Flags with broken feet. <laughs> I had two double plantar fascia bone spurs, uh, and, and literally I I mean cripple, absolutely cripple, broken feet. Like you have no idea. Like I mean, 
I can only describe it as like Jack Lambert, right? He had turf toe. He couldn't walk. Remember when he left the game and the last thing he ever saw was Jack Lambert limping off the field. Do you remember when he like limped off with one leg? That's me at the six flags. I'm sitting, I'm sitting there walking around and I'm, I said it was a hundred degrees. And I said to my buddy, I said, dude, what have you done to me? Dude, you're such a absolute wuss bag. Like, why would you bring me to this place today with these kids? I want to kill myself. What have you done to me? Cause he's like, come on, let's go to six flags. I'm like, no, dude, don't say that around me. I don't want to go to the amusement park, dude. I'm not that nice. And then Chop's like, yeah, let's go ride roller coasters. You're a wussy. Come on, dude. grab some weed. Let's go. And I'm like, oh, dude, my feet. She's like, don't be a bitch. Come on. <laughs> and so I went and then I was there five minutes and I was I was going to puke on this roller coaster. I went 100 miles an hour, got off and I was like, hold on a second. I don't feel good. I got off. I had I had vertigo. I'm in a place called vertigo. Take me where I want to. And you give me something I can feel. And then I had broken feet all day. And I literally never rode another ride all day. And I was miserable. I complained the whole day. And I drank like, um, you know, what do they have there? Like the Slurpees? Don't they have like Slurpees there? Like uh, 7-Eleven? They got the Slurpees. I drank 400 of them. I drank where I had freeze brain all day. Michael Williams is a good friend of mine, golf guy, and he does a kick-ass uh, golf podcast uh, that everybody's talking about, golfwrx.com. You can check it out yourself. He's a badass. He's been on my show for a long, long time, and uh, we bring him on the bench here on Sports Radio Radio. Overnights. What's going on, Mike? It's all good, man. How are you? I haven't heard from you for a long time, and now you got broken feet? That's horrible, man. I'm, I'm, Listen. <laughs> I play basketball, as you know, uh, seven days a week, and I'm playing tomorrow at 630 in the morning, and I play against violent, just monster D1 uh, college and high school stars from the area around here. They're all really, really good. These guys are really, really good. And then uh, they always say, uh, my one buddy goes, yeah, he'll, Pharrell will be there with his broken feet, broken ass feet. So, but they all know what happens. I, I have broken feet and bone spurs and all kinds of problems with my feet, like Bill Walton. But I score every time I get the ball. <laughs> I just put it in the hole. So, so no one says nothing. Just raining threes on him, huh, Scotty? Just raining. You name it. You name it. Threes, drive, dribble, drive, step backs, finishes, finger rolls, kisses off the glass. I score a thousand every time I play with broken feet. They're like, he's slow as a duck. He's got broken feet, but you better guard him because he'll shoot from anywhere and Drano like George Gervin. So uh, I do have bad feet. When I get done playing, I sit with ice on my feet for like three hours. I used to do the radio show at night when you'd be a guest on my show and I'd have two giant like glad bags filled with ice under my feet for the entire four hours. And I'd walk out, ask Carver, I, did I walk out of the studio with like frozen foot? I couldn't even walk because I had frozen my feet. Several times. So like Several Antonio times. Davis with the blisters on your feet, right? You froze your feet? Like Antonio I froze Davis? them. I froze them, dude. Like, I mean, like I was like a, a pina colada. <laughs> I had frozen feet. But hey, so tell me about your boy, Tiger Woods coming back. Tomorrow at Muirfield, I was saying that uh, a couple things about him. A, he's won five times there. He knows that golf course like he knows his first wife. I mean, the bottom line is uh, there's nothing he doesn't know about that golf course. It's Augusta to him. It's Torrey Pines. The guy, even if he has his worst uh, weekend ever, I say he still uh, plays well there because he just owns that golf course. 
Yeah, he's one of the best prop bets out there, man. The smart money is putting Tiger on a lot of different bets out there. Like you said, he's won there five times, and the only guy who knows the course better than him, maybe, is the guy who built it, which is Jack Nicklaus. Right. Um, he's made an entire career out of winning that thing. If you had five wins in your entire career, you'd say it's a good life. You know, you'd go settle back and, you know, go catch some fish. This guy's had an entire career just on that one golf course. I believe it's one of seven where he's won, of, won at least five times, which is, you know, another one of those things you go like, really? Really? A guy did that? And you know, that's who Tiger is. It's a difficult golf course. Tiger is oddly now probably more mentally equipped than he ever was to play this golf course. It's a thinking man's golf course. It's, it's burly. It's beefy. It takes some length, but it also takes some smarts. It's about hitting the ball into the right spots, into the greens to make those putts. It's going to be a very different setup than it was last week for the workday uh, charity event. Again, I think this is the first time in 40, 50 years, almost 50 years, that a tour event has been held on the same course in consecutive weeks. A real challenge for the greenskeepers there. But what they're going to do to make it different is grow the rough up. It's going to be about half inch longer, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it definitely is. Uh, they're going to make the uh, greens faster, and the pin positions will be different. So you really have to hit the ball onto the greens to get yourself some makeable putts. And Tiger knows all those spots, all those greens, uh, those pin positions perfectly. So uh, he's going to be he's going to be one of the favorites. And last time we saw him swing the club, he was swinging really, really well. He's literally swinging in the rain, you know, with Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson, those guys. So uh, you know, all, all all eyes are on him as always. All eyes are on Tiger to see to see how he does. So uh, let me ask you this question, uh, Mike. The um... We were talking about it the other night on my show. I don't even remember what show it is. I do so many shows, I can't keep track anymore. But I was talking, Carver Hyle, he has to back me up on everything because I got early for Alzheimer's. Uh, didn't I mention, I, I think it may have been with Mafia, Carver Hyle, but th- th- this guy's at 82 wins in his career, right? So Sam's needed him right. tied with 82. One more, and he's the greatest of all time. And then uh, he needs four to pass Jack on majors. And uh, when you just, can you even, can you even fathom that this guy, Mike, has won 82 PGA Tour events and he is going to go down without a doubt as the greatest golfer that ever lived, bar none. Now, even Jack Nicholas has said the guy could teach him how to golf. That's how good he is. He's like, I'd like to take lessons from him is what I'd like because they've asked him before who's better. And he's like, I'll take lessons from him. Uh, everything about his game is different. I think Mafia said something to me about like his he uses different clubs and everything else. I don't care if he uses toothpicks. Right. I mean, this guy could play with a fork and and uh, play better golf. He's the greatest golfer that ever lived, bar none. There is no other. Uh, ben Hogan, Sam Snead. Sam Snead was unbelievable, but there is no one that plays golf like Tiger Woods. And when they were like comparing him to other people, like. Murray Kama's ranked 14th in the world. Tiger's 15th. Like, my ass. That guy will play his entire life, Murray Kama. Great young golfer. I won't deny it. But he'll play his entire life, and we won't remember him five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. They will never forget Tiger Woods. No, I mean, Tiger has done things and done them in a way that nobody else has done them. I mean, look, Sam Snead won 82 tournaments, and you can barely remember one of them, right? Pick me one out of the 82 that you remember right now off the top of your head. None. Okay, Jack Nicklaus has some signature wins, and some of it has to do with the age that you win in the age of TV, the age of ESPN, and that sort of thing. But Tiger was playing in that in that era, and he lived up to it. He 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 looked 
like he did, completely different. He played like he did, completely different. I mean, whoever heard of you know, tiger-proofing courses? Like, setting up golf courses, especially venerable courses like Augusta for one guy. There, there, there has never really been anything like it. You're absolutely right about that. And it's the spectacular way he wins. You go to 2000 and the U.S. Open, you get a golf course that's playing, Pebble Beach is playing as hard as anyone has ever seen it play. And not only does he win the event, he wins it by 13 shots, and he's the only guy under par. I mean, 13 shots in the U.S. Open is, is, is insane. That's like the combination of the three winners winning margin the previous three years. This guy is uh, he's, he's just a phenomenon. And I tell you, what's really going to be weird, what's really weird is watching Tiger Woods play without a gallery. Because I know for a fact, that, can you remember the your guy when the last time he played without a gallery? Because I happen to know when that was. I don't remember yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. He's talking about the early onset uh, all-time. Right. The good news about that all-time buddy is, like you can, you'll always have new friends, and you can hide your own Easter eggs. That's the good news. About that. <laughs> like, <that's> with, <laughs> with, 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 with Tiger, it was it was in D.C. at his tournament. It was ten years ago, and uh, there was a big uh, uh, storm that went through Washington D.C. at Congressional, and it was so bad that they closed down the course to spectators. There were so many branches and trees down; it wasn't safe for spectators. So you had to play that third round without spectators. I was there covering the tournament here for the local network. And wow. it was just the oddest thing to see. Tiger I was going to say it was that uh, thing he did with Phil or whatever, when they, they just played that thing with, with Brady and, and Manny, there were no, there remember they played in the rain at Seminole. There were no, there were no uh, fans, but that wasn't a PGA event, but I just, that's the only, I can only remember back about a month. <laughs> yeah. That's that cold. Yeah, right. And it was a good month, believe me. Okay. There were a lot of highlights in that last month. You know, it, it, that's, that's Tiger, though. The, the things that he does, everything he does, good, bad, indifferent, it's all memorable. So it's going to be so good to have him back on tour in this environment. And believe me, as much as everybody wants to win, all these young guys, Bryson, all these guys are going to be looking to see, hey, what's Tiger going to do out here? How's he doing what he does? That's the effect that he has on this game, past, present, and future. Right. So, uh, we're going to come back and, and keep talking with uh, Michael Williams about uh, everything going on in golf. I got some more questions I want to ask him. I want to talk to him about uh, DeChambeau and uh, some of these other guys like Rom. Uh, you know, I saw Rom uh, today standing around with Finau and these guys. Uh, they're constantly trying to sell me new golfers on tour. Uh, and they seem all bent out of shape about DeChambeau, his weight, his weight gain, what he eats, everything else. He's well on the bench. Harbor High, very excited about the future. <laughs> I just I just had a conversation with him. I told him I sold him a bill of goods and he didn't say one word. That's when well, I know it's it's, it's like I would say, I mean, I, there's things going on here. Like I'm listening to you and I agree with you. If, and and I always I'll let you know if I disagree with you. And um, yeah, you're going and I'm just kind of moving some things because guess what? All the things that you were talking to me about, they're all happening while you're talking <laughs> So it's all going on, you know, you're doing a great job. Anyway, Michael Williams is with us uh, and we're talking golf and Mike, uh, let me, I, I want to say, 
And, and I'm not even trying to rip him at all. Like I was looking at John Rom today and I was like, it's funny how they, uh, they're always trying to sell me John Rom, And, and I think he's a good golfer. I'm not disputing that. I think he's, he's got the goods. There's this guy. I think he's from Spain, whatever he is. And I'm, you know, I'm pulling for him. I don't have a problem with him at all, but I was watching him and it seemed like all the, you know, Finau and, and Roger, or I think McDowell or whoever was playing with him. And I think it was Ian Poulter and, and they were having this, uh, you know, pro-am for money or whatever. And, and I was like looking at him and I'm thinking, oh, wow, they, they seem like they really like him. And then it's amazing to me because comparing him to DeChambeau, it seems like there's guys that don't like him. And uh, there's guys that it's like the Patrick Reed thing, right? Like uh, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a guy they're jealous of. It would appear to me that he's, uh, I guess on a seafood diet, he's everything he sees, he eats. And then he's jacking right. 360 yard drives that they don't like that. Cause he's showing them up. I mean, that's all there is to it. And then there, then there's some people thinking he's juicing and everything else. Uh, and I just want to know what's the real deal. Like, do they, uh, is it, they like Rom, they don't like uh, DeChambeau, they don't like Reed. Are these guys really that petty, all these golfers that they have their little high school, I don't like this guy, I don't like that guy, talking uh, smack behind each other's backs and stuff like that? Is that going on? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's a small, it's a small group. I mean, all together, all the PJ pros together would comprise a decent sized clique. So, yeah, I mean, they definitely have their likes and dislikes, and this guy did that, and that guy did that. And usually it doesn't leak out to the public. Normally that stays in the locker room, like those little things where people kind of piss each other off and that sort of thing. You don't really right. see it. But sometimes it's kind of obvious because, you know, some guys are just obvious jerk-offs, you know, and there's, you, know, you, just, you, you, just can't, you just can't hide that, you know. And so John Rom, I, it's funny you mentioned him because he's a guy – the thing that always strikes me about him – is a guy looks like he's about 37 years old and he's 25. And I, I don't know exactly what happened to him in his life, but you know, it's like, they say like road, road hard and put away wet. I mean, that dude has been road hard and put away wet, but he is a, he's a really nice kid. <laughs> he, he is a really nice kid. I, I interviewed him at Augusta. His girlfriend is slamming. I mean, he's got everything going for him. What he really needs to do is to get his mind right, as they said in Cool Hand Luke. He's got to get his mind right. He has that fire that makes him actually kind of appealing to people, but it gets away from him. You know, he sort of overcooks in pressure, pressure situations. So he's got all the games. Like a lot of these guys, you mentioned Tony Finau. I played with him his last amateur round before he went pro. We were playing down at Reynolds uh, uh, Lake Oconee, down in, uh, just past, right between Atlanta and Augusta. And we were on like the 10th hole, kind of a signature short par, uh, par four. I hit out a driver. I think I bust one like 270 out there. You know, I'm like feeling myself, sniffing my inner arms and the whole thing. This guy drops like a five wood and hits a 290. I'm like, okay, he's ready. All these guys, they're so long. They're so good at every phase of the game that each of them has the tools to be a great player. But what's the difference? It's the 15th club. It's the mind. And that's the thing that Tiger had over everybody else and Jack before him, and Ben before him, and Bobby Jones before him. They all had that 15th club, which is this thing that I, I don't hope I'm going to win. I know I'm going to win. Jack was asked one time, hey, um, how did you miss that last putt there, that six-footer? Jack said, I didn't miss that putt. He said, well, yeah, we, we saw that putt. We just missed it. We got it on TV. But I didn't miss it. It just didn't go in. That's who these guys are, who are, who are the winners who elevate themselves. 
You know, they, they, that, that's who they are. Now, Bryson is the flavor of the day because, I, I don't know, you remember, you remember, Scotty, when George Foreman came on the scene, right? And it was right. like, oh, my God, we've never seen a boxer like this. Look at the size of his arm. Look at the size of his legs. This guy's a monster. He's never going to lose. You know, it would have to be a different sport, different weight class for this guy. You know, who's he even going to fight? And, you know, it, it was, okay, he's a different thing. He beats everybody up. And then finally you get a guy who's smarter than him and takes him right the blank down. And this is going to be Bryson's thing. Right now, he's hitting, he's hitting for distance like nobody's ever hit before. I think he's had 30 drives already this year over 350 yards, which is like how many he had all of last year. So there's no doubt that he's tattooing it. But the question remains to be seen is, can you really be successful on the PGA Tour by turning it into a home run derby? And I just don't believe necessarily that that's the case. And I, I, I look at him, I and mean, you you've got so many things going on. Bryson DeChambeau is like, he's like an accumulation of different ideas about how to play golf. So one of his ideas is that you know, we have this green reading book, so I never miss a putt. Okay? He does miss putts. Uh, well, I will have single-length irons. You know, he's got like a funky uh, sh- uh, golf set where, you know, his, all of his clubs are the same length. So that means I never will hit a bad shot. Well, he does hit bad shots. And, you know, and now it's like the body. I'll never, I'll never uh, miss a drive again. Look, all these are interesting ideas. But, again, we talk about that, that 15th club. Right now, the difference between him and Bubba Watson is very similar. I compare him more to Bubba Watson than anybody else. Because Bubba Watson always thought that this guy who always got lost on a long tour through the windmills of his mind, that dude is completely wrapped around the axle. And if Bryson <laughs> like that, you know, it's going to be kind of the same thing. You saw it in Detroit. He hits a bad sand shot. He skulls a sand shot, slams his club in the ground. The cameraman sees him do it, like shows it. And he goes and tries to give the uh, cameraman a ration for, hey, you shouldn't be showing that on TV. You should be protecting our reputation. I mean, that is nonsense in any part of an adult's world. So you should be protecting me and not showing me doing that. Can you imagine? If somebody yeah. said, Tiger said to somebody, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just insane. So, I mean, a lot of these guys are like, you know, personality-wise, they're sort of like a minute shy of being a three-minute egg. They need some development. But um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's working on a lot of things. The distance, undeniably, gives him a tool. It's not clear to me that it gives him an advantage over right. the rest of the field. Well, he wins. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's it, it, unless I'm mistaken, he he, yeah. he's winning at least uh, once a year. I mean, which is more than a lot of guys can say. Let me ask you this question. Uh, so, uh, and I think you're right about all that stuff about him. That like the camera stuff. That was bizarre. Like, I mean, that's kind of wussy. Just being a wuss. Like, like chill out, dude. Like, you're that you're just being yeah. a D, and that's all there is to it. But let, right. let's move on. Let, let me move on. I want to ask you, like, so Jack's kids, right? Uh, and I don't know the whole family. Like, I don't follow Jack's family, okay? But I saw, like, his son, right, is the chairman of Muirfield, right? He's His son is, like, a big shot at that golf club. And uh, it really is amazing. Like, so I, I guess I just have to figure this out, right? So you're telling me that, like, all of them have turned their entire lives into golf because of their old man? Like they've all become like, like in the golf, like literally. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like I do, I do TV, radio, whatever, mostly radio my whole career. I've done a ton of TV, but basically I've been a radio guy and I love radio theater of the mind, but my kids, (laughs) I'm not like, (laughs) 
I'm not, I'm not having my kids follow in my footsteps kind of guy. I'm not the, here, listen, I do radio TV. That's what you're going to do. Like I saw his son today, like running the show, like wearing the suit and he was flipping the coin. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, and then I saw his wife or something doing something. I'm like, wow, the whole family, <laughs> the whole family's working there. I go, is that, is that about right? Absolutely. And look, I called Jack the golden bear, but Barbara, that's, that's my girl, man. She's like, the woman who reminds me most of my own dearly parted mom, mama. And I right. call her. I call Jack the golden bear, and I call her the mama bear. She's like right. the sweetest person on earth. I'll call her right now, and she'll say, "Mike, are you in Florida? Are you coming by for dinner?" That's that's the type of person she is. Wow. Uh, and all you know, all of a sudden, I mean, but wow, is it any different, you know, Scotty? If from from football coaches, I mean, you had Don Shula. You know, all his idiot kids went into coaching. Number one, good at it. But, you know. <laughs> I listen to it. Not to say that Jack has a bunch of idiot kids. Let that not be uh, the outtake from that. That is not what I mean to say. All I'm saying is that Jack, when you talk about growing up in the footsteps of your father, they were literally in the footsteps because, you know, for a lot of his career, you know, it wasn't the big money PGA tour. It was like, okay, we're changing diapers in the back of this uh, station wagon kind of tour. So they, they, they grew up literally with the game and all of their friends, all of the people that they knew were surrounded on golf. They chose their colleges because of golf. They chose, you know, where they're going to live because of golf. Their whole lives have been built around around it. So, I mean, the same way that an oil man, his son's going to oil, football coaches, their son's going to coaching. Jack's sons, what else are they? What about Ernie? What about Arnie? Do you think that Arnie is, and I'm going to say this because, you know, I think I've told you this story before. I, before the 89 U.S. Senior Open, I, I got to go on a practice round with him, just the two of us, up in, in uh, Ligonier and Latrobe. And uh, I think it was Ligonier Country Club in Latrobe. And I uh, spent, you know, uh, the day with him, interviewing him while he was doing a practice round and drove around in a golf cart with, with Arnold Palmer. I mean, honestly, it was it was just the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life. And I, I, I guess my question is, respectfully, I have two minutes. Do you think Arnie is uh, cooler than Tiger Woods? Like Arnie's army, Arnie's career, Arnie... <laughs> Uh, Arnie never had a chick chase him down the street with a golf club. Arnie never got DUIs with bags full of pills. Arnold Palmer versus Tiger Woods. Who was cooler? Arnie, he had, and, and the clothing he wore was so rock star back in the day. He was like literally Don Juan. You got to admit it. Okay, so I'll start this. I will have a toast for you. I got to get a Michter's 10-year-old to toast to you for this for having played with Arnold Palmer. I shook his hand once and it's like the Frank Sinatra, you know, the guys who shook who shook his hand. Right. He is he was an amazing person. And you know, the whole thing thank you, my friend. The, the whole go. thing goes that, you know, uh <laughs> that Tiger was chasing I'm probably gonna get kicked out of all of golf for saying this, but the whole joke goes that Tiger was chasing all of Jack's records on the course and all of Arnie's records off it. And you know, that is <laughs> it's just talking about it in terms <laughs> That is awesome. Let's just talk about it in terms. Let's talk about it in terms of the money. Let's just leave it at that because Jack or, or Arnie and uh, Mark McCormick, who was his agent, invented sports marketing. Before right. those two guys, sports marketing consisted of Mickey Mantle holding up a razor blade, you know, or a Baby Ruth, and saying, "I right. have one of these. You should too." Right. Arnie invented that stuff. He got rich completely off the course because essentially he had five and a half good years in his career. After that, it was all off the course. Arnie invented charisma. He, in, he made people want to watch, and he hadn't won anything for 30 years when he retired, 40 years. But people still wanted to watch him. 
as I always say, you know, women wanted to be with him, men wanted to be like him. And that that's who that's who Arnie was. I think in a way, yeah, he was a much more compelling figure to be with. He was much more uh, 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 somebody you wanted to be around. Tiger, you're in awe of. Arnie, you wanted to just be around. You wanted to be right. around him. He was a so. completely different thing. And not to, they're, they're both the same thing. They're both good. It's all good between the two. Yeah. Uh, you're awesome, Michael. I always love catching up, brother. You're great. Uh, fantastic, as usual, uh, interview. Thanks for coming on the bench, brother. Uh, stay healthy. Uh, enjoy the golf the rest of the summer. Yeah, same to you, man. And I'll uh, send you a gift certificate for Dr. Schultz. <laughs> Thanks. I got. I just bought a new uh, pair of heel pads, too, Schultz. I get those, 21 bucks down at CVS. I got like 50 pairs of those. I got them in every shoe I own. Uh, Michael Williams, my good friend, always good uh, talking golf with him. We got a lot more coming up on the bench. All right, Pharrell on the bench. So, uh, Carver High, how can you sit there and tell me not to talk about it when uh, it's already news? <laughs> it's like already out That's there. Not, not what I said. Not at all what I said. I, you, you, you were you were clearly on with uh, with him tonight, right? In uh, yeah. on his show. So there you go. It is what, it, what is. it is. So tomorrow morning they're going to announce this huge uh, deal where I'm going to be on in Southern California again, uh, back uh, like in the old days, uh, old school. Like it, I've come full circle, right? And uh, listen, I lived in Huntington Beach for a long time, and I did my show in LA for a long time. And I was on uh, not only in LA on KLSX, but I was also on Extra 1150, and I was on. Uh, Mighty 1090 in uh, San Diego. But, I mean, it was a long, long time ago, right? Like, so, like, 95, like, through 99, something like that. 90, 94, 95 through 99, something like that. And uh, I lived there for, uh, I lived in California for a long time. I lived in uh, San Francisco and in uh, Huntington Beach, Hermosa Beach, you name it. And uh, everybody knows the deal. Uh, I I love San Diego. I've been on uh, you know a tear there for years. Uh, Carver High will back me up on this. I go there just about every year. Do I not go there every year? Like on vacation? Carver High is really excited about the conversation. Uh, I go there every year surfing and stuff like that. I love it. It's a cool place. And um, you know I've always said <laughs> that I'd rather live there than here. I, I just am honest. I mean, bottom line was I lived out there and at one point or another, CBS told me, move to New York or we're going to fire you. And I was like, all right, uh, I'll move to New York. And then I moved to New York. And I guess, you know, there was a lot of good things that came out of it. How much time do I got? <laughs> I have no time. Just so you know, uh, now I'm just going right on the air with it every night. I told that to Bob. I just, I can't hear you. I don't know how much time I'm old. Screw all of you in your box. 